0: Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. So here in Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 12, Paul is talking to us about not attaining. How many times have we made a mistake and feel like, you know what, I can never be what i I started out to be. I can never get where I'm supposed to be because I've made too many mistakes. You know, the number one challenge with most people being able to receive from God is because they're so sin-minded. They're so, you know, God is judging them or somebody's holding them back or something's happening that's hindering them or they can never be because of too many mistakes they've made. And you know, I want to let you know that God is a God of a second chance. Tell your neighbor God's a God of a second chance. He is a God of the second chance. He will give you a second chance. In fact, I remember when I was a younger Christian and, and I had come out of the world and I was was struggling with certain issues in my life that I knew weren't pleasing to God, and don't ask me what they were, they're none of your business. But anyway, but uh, I was just struggling with the Lord about that. And I said, Lord, how many chances will you give me? And I heard in my spirit the Lord say, as many as you need if you want to get them right. You know, he's a merciful God. He'll give you a second chance. He's always there to give you a second chance. He wants to give you a second chance. Tell your neighbor God's a God of a second chance. And so Paul said this. He said, you know, not that I've attained. You know, one of the keys to receiving that second chance is knowing that you haven't gotten there yet. You know, accepting the fact that you haven't, you know, arrived. But we are being perfected. We are being changed from glory to glory. It's the word of God that changes us. And this is why we are so adamant with this word because this word has literally changed Vicky and myself. You know, many times, you know, uh, there's been a few times where I've contacted some of the guys I went to high school with and some of the guys I went to college with, you know, what are you doing? Oh, I'm a minister. And they go, you're kidding me. There is no way, you know, I remember going back to my hometown and having, a, uh, not my hometown, but the town I graduated from, and having a tent meeting, and several of the students that I went to high school went and said, now are you Tom Luther? Because you don't even look like the same person. Why, because we've let this word change us. And that's what the Word of God says. Let the Word of God wash us, renew us, transform us. Because, you know, when we begin to put this Word to, uh, in, in place and make it a, a priority in our lives, it will come to pass in our lives. And the same thing happens with the second chance, the God of a second chance. We have to know that 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ Jesus, does that qualify everybody here? You're in Christ, you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. He's a new creature. Say new creature. He's a new original. He's brand new. Old things passed passed away. Old things have 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 passed away. When has things become old? The moment that you said them, now they're old. Even my last sentence is old because it's behind me. Old things have passed away and all things become new again. And, you know, God's made you the righteousness uh, uh, of God. He's put you in right standing with him so that you can receive from him. Most of the time we don't receive from God because we don't feel like we're qualified enough, that we don't do enough good works or we don't praise God enough or we don't give enough or we don't, you know, uh, read the word enough. God's not interested in your works. He's already done the work. What he wants you to understand is that you can receive from him because he's a good God. He is the God of a second chance. Amen. And so Paul said right here, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That's one of the keys to receiving that second chance is to press on. You have to forget the past. You have to put it behind you. Pastor, do you really believe that you can forget the past? Yes, I do. In fact, there's been times that you know uh, there are, there are areas of my life that I don't even remember being involved in, until something comes up. Oh yeah, I was a part of that. Oh 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 yeah, I was I was a part of that. Uh, there's a, a a minister that, that we we're, we're, we've been friends with for many many years, and we knew Andrew Walmack years and years and years ago before his ministry really exploded. <clears throat> And uh, one of the things that he shared one time in one of the messages was that he served in Vietnam. And uh, he was in some very, you know, critical battles. And uh, he said in one of the battles, he said, I don't remember any of it. I don't remember any of it, except, the, except for the fact that when I was shooting my gun, I was saying, now God, if, if I kill any of them, I hope they're saved. You know, That's all he remembers. Until one time there was a movie about Vietnam and they did a documentary on that particular area that he was defending. Then it all came back to him. You know, God's able to cause you to forget your past. Right. He want, there's some things God wants you to forget. You know, the Bible says he remembers your sin as far as the east is from the west. If God's forgotten, doesn't he want you to forget? Aren't there some things you'd like to forget? Aren't, you, aren't there some things in your life you wish never happened? Am I the only one that feels that way from time to time? And because of that, so many times we have a tendency to think, well, maybe God can't do certain things because we made too many mistakes. But you know what? God's a champion at making champions out of people who make mistakes. You need to remember this. Failure is not a person. Failure is an event. It happens to all of us. All of us have failed. And one of the things is don't deny the fact that you've made a mistake. Don't try to cover it up. Just confess it. Just, just move on and say, yeah, it was my mistake. It's, you know, I made the choice, you know. And I remember when we were singles ministers, you know, somebody came up to me and said, well, 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 well Tom, here's the deal. You know, I didn't want to get a divorce. It wasn't on me. So how come you're telling me that I need to confess that I made a mistake? I said, well, let me ask you something. Did you make the choice to marry the person? You know? I so, said, well, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? No, it's not harsh. It's accepting the fact that you made choices. We are where we're at today because of the choices we made yesterday. Amen. And if we want to see a greater future, all we have to do is make better choices. And when we make better choices or we make choices based on God's word or God's plan for our life, what do you think is going to happen? You are going to have a better future. That's what Jeremiah 11.29 says. I have good thoughts towards you. I have thoughts of future. God's not saying, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, stop you from doing what you really want to do because, you know, you're such a knucklehead and you've made so many mistakes. God doesn't say that. His I. And when you wake up in the morning, he's thinking about you. And not only is he thinking about you, he's thinking about how he can bless you. Because the word of God says he loads you daily with benefits, as as, as, as benefits. That's plural. That's more than one. He wants you to have more than one benefit. When you wake up in the morning, I mean, he has a basket load of benefits just for you. Just for you. But can you receive them? Do you feel like you're good enough? Well, God made you good enough, and that's what you need to remember. It's the devil who condemns you. He's the father of lies. That's why Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapons formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn. What tongue is rising up against you besides other people in this world more than anything else? It's the devil's tongue. He wants to condemn you. He wants to defeat you. He wants to convince you that God doesn't want to bless you. But that weapon formed against you, that thought of negativity that's trying to come into your mind, you know, you need to say, no, I'm not receiving that anymore in Jesus' name. Because God didn't create me to receive negative thoughts. God created me to receive his thoughts. He wants me to dwell on those things which are pure, lovely, and of a good report. And the Bible says when we do that, then the peace that passes all understanding. What does that mean? That means you'll be in a place of tranquility no matter what goes on. And you know God's got this. Yeah. Amen. And you know what? You don't have to pray that God be on your side. What you need to pray is that you're on God's side. And when you're on God's side, everything will work out for you. Amen? And so anyway, no weapons formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you, shall, you shall condemn or you shall prove them wrong. Isn't it wonderful to prove the devil wrong? Yes. For this is your heritage that goes on to say. This is your inheritance. This is your right as a believer. This is what God has given you as a person in Christ. This is your heritage. So no weapons formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you you shall condemn. And this is your heritage, the Word of God says. And you know what? I just lost my train of thought, so I'm going to have to go to that. (laughs) Isaiah 54. It's on the screen. Okay, thank you. No weapons formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is your heritage, to servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. Who put you in right standing? Huh? I didn't. Huh? Your boss didn't. Your wife didn't. Your husband didn't. No, God put you in right standing. What does it mean to be in right standing? It puts you in a place where you have the right, come on now, to receive all that God has for you. Amen. That's why John 1.12 says, As many as received them, he gave them the power. That word power means right, authority, or the privilege to be called the sons of God. He has given you that right to receive from him as if you were his son. Now, happy Father's Day to all you who, you who are fathers here and those who will be fathers. But how many of you hold things against your children? Most of you don't. You know, we don't have perfect children. We don't have perfect grandchildren. But if you talk to us, you'd think that we had perfect grandchildren. You know, we love them. Why? Because that's who, that's us. That's a reflection of who we are. That's our legacy. That's why we love them. They're our family. Mmm. Well, you know they're not perfect. Yeah, I know they're not perfect. But you know what? I overlook their imperfections. I overlook their shortcomings. I'm there to help them. You know, I'm there to help these grandchildren. You know, how's your grades going? Well, you know, I, 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 I've got a 79 in this class. Well, how much harder would it be to get that 80 so you can get that B? Oh, I, can you do that? Yeah, I think I can do that. Good. When you get that B, Big Papa get you an extra $5 for honor roll blessings. You know, I give them money every time they make the honor roll, you know. You get that B. I give them some incentive. You know, I'm not saying a 79, is that the best you can do? No, I'm inspiring them to go to that next level. And that's what God's doing with you. He's trying to inspire you to go to that next level of receiving his benefits for your life. Amen? And so he said, one thing I have, haven't done, I haven't obtained, but one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to press. I'm going to keep going on. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. Why? Because quitters never win, but winners never quit. See, we're not in this, in this thing for nine innings. We're not in this race because we're competing against one another. We're in this race that God has set for us, and we're in it to, for the long haul. And he wants us to finish the race. And as far as he's concerned, you know what? Once we cross that, that line, it doesn't matter who was before us, who was after us. We are the winner. Tell your neighbor you're a winner. So don't quit. In fact, I think don't quit is so important, I have it in the back of my Bible. In fact, I think it's so important, I have it in the front of my Bible. Don't quit. Just don't quit. Sometimes we have to, you know, step back and take a rest and, and, and rest in the Lord and wait on God. And that's fine. But don't quit trusting God Amen. to bless you. Amen. Because you know what? It's really not about you anyway. It's about him. That's why we're about pursuing God. We want you to pursue God with your whole heart. You know, church is wonderful. We, we were thankful for the presence of God is in this house. I'm telling you, you know, you know what, when we were just singing, you know, you know, the heavens are open, the kingdom come. I tell you what, the presence of God would just just swallow me up. I mean, I was enjoying that so much. But we don't want you just to just experience that on Sunday mornings. We want you to experience that every day of your life, every moment. Because God wants to dwell in your presence. So Paul said, I haven't attained. That's the first thing. Know that we haven't attained. We're not perfect, but we press on to lay hold of. What do we press on? To lay hold of which Christ laid hold for us. Well, how do I know what he laid hold for us? It's right here. He laid hold of salvation for you. Whosoever shall believe upon him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe upon him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So he laid hold of salvation. So lay hold of that salvation. He laid hold of healing for you. It's God's plan for you to walk in divine health. In fact, for those who are new, many of many of those who have been with us for many years know this, but for those who are new and with us, one day I was praying And I was making some confessions and just declaring, you know, that, you know, uh, God's for me and and God's blessing me and I'll never be broke another day in my life. And out of my spirit, I said, I'll never be sick another day in my life. Mm -hmm. And the moment I said that, I could tell you there was a demonic force that attacked me right there on the spot. Did I get sick? No, but I could feel a wave of something that wasn't God. And I heard this, who do you think you are? You know, you've, you've had challenges with allergies. What are you going to tell people when your nose is running? Come on, let's be real. You know, this is how the enemy condemns you? You mean I can't, I can't come to church with a runny nose in fear of people judging me because they'll say, well, I thought you said you'd never be sick? That ain't right, you know? And, boy, he just he began to harass me, you know, and I rose up and I said, I'll never be sick another day in my life. I don't care what the devil says. I'll never be sick another day in my life. I'll never be sick another day in my life. And I begin to just cry out to God, God, show me how to overcome these allergies. And you know what he showed me? He showed me inflammations under the curse. And you know what allergies are? Those are the little things that float through the air that inflame your sinuses, that causes your nose to run and... Get stuffed up and all that stuff. And I start declaring inflammations under the curse. And I speak to my, my sinuses and I command all inflammation to leave. And I want to let you know that I am allergy free. Can somebody give God praise in this house? I'm just saying what God said. I'm pressing in and laying hold of what Jesus laid hold for me. By those 39 stripes, I was healed is what the Bible says. Well, you know what? Being healed is wonderful. Walking in divine health is wonderful. You know, being blessed abundantly and financially is wonderful. But what about peace? What about having that peace? What about being able to lay your head down at night and going, you know what? It doesn't really matter what's going on around the world. I know that my God is going to take care of all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What about that peace? What about that peace when your child's not living right? What about that peace when things go on in your family? God wants you to have that peace. So Paul says, this one thing I do, I press on. Well, how do you press on, Paul? I want to know more. How about you? Amen. And then he went on to say, that I may lay hold of what Christ Jesus laid hold over me. Brother, I do not count myself to apprehend, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind me. We've got to ask God to help us to forget what's behind us. I mean, Paul was the persecutor of Christians. You know, when Paul came into the kingdom of God, you know, he had to prove himself, and rightfully so, because they were saying, aren't you the one that was, you know, given orders to kill us? Aren't you the one that was given orders to put us in prison? And now you're coming and saying you, you had a transformation? How do we know that you're not a spy? And so he had to prove himself, and he didn't have a problem proving it. But you know what? I'm sure there were times in his life when he came and ministered to a family, that there was probably a family member prior to his conversion that he had put in jail or maybe even had killed for their faith in Christ. He had to deal with that on a regular basis. He had to let go of his past. You know, he thought he was doing something for God when he was persecuting Christians. He thought they were all wrong and he was right. That's called deception. Hello, somebody. And this is why he said, one thing I do admit, I'm not saying I got it all. Praise God. You, know, you ever get to the place where you think you're the only one's right and everybody else is wrong? Just want to let you know, you're probably the only one wrong and everybody else is right. But Paul said, This one thing I do, not that I've attained, I don't count myself to apprehend it, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind me and I reach towards those things which are ahead and I press. Sometimes there's a pressing. Well, how can we press? Well, prayer is one way of pressing. Sometimes waiting in the presence of God is a, a way of pressing. I want you to go with me. This is not even in my notes. This is just a download while we were in, in worship this morning, but something that was just impressed my spirit to share with you. This is what Jude said. Jude said this, and this is what we have to press through. He's talking about in the last days. These are grumblers, complainers. Verse 16, Jude 16. Jude is right before Revelation, if you have your Bibles. The book right before Revelations. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and their mouths great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause division, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, but you, beloved, build yourself up. Does that sound like pressing to you? It does to me. Build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and keep yourself in the love of God. You know, I think that's one of the greatest challenges for all of us is to keep ourselves in the love of God. You know, if I asked you to write down a piece of paper, who's the biggest challenge in your life that you're having struggle showing the love of God to? Most of us could write down a few names, couldn't we? Let's be honest, I could write down a few names. And this is probably the biggest challenge in my life is being able to say, Lord, help me to love those who have been very unlovable in my life. You know, one day I was t- telling my wife, I don't know why God let this person get away with this. And she said, well, do you know if they repent it and ask God to forgive them? You know, it's tough living with a prophet. Can't get away with anything. Well, I don't know. Why. The way they're acting, I don't think they did. But, you know, it's not for us to judge them. You don't know if somebody else has asked God to forget. Well, why don't they ask you to forget? Well, you know what? Maybe they just have too much pride, or maybe they're just too fearful. Maybe there's other things going on in their emotions. We can't judge people. And when we try to judge people, we're not forgetting. Hello, somebody. When we're judging people, we're holding on. And that's what I was doing. I was holding on to some hurts and some pains of the past. And God said, you just need to forget it. Just let it go and move on. And forget means as if it never happened. If you forgot something, what does that mean? That means you don't remember it happening. Hello, somebody. It's not like forgetting where your car keys are at. That's different. Because you know where you know your car keys are somewhere, right? You know, but forgetting the real spirit, uh, uh, scriptural definition of forgetting is as if it never happened. Can you live a life? Of some of the things that have happened in your past as if it never happened. See, that's where God wants you to be. Because he sees it as if it never happened. Tell your neighbor he's the God of second chances. He wants you to have that second chance. And so it goes on, it says here in verse 1, keep yourself in the love of God. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? By not remembering the negative things that took place in your past. Amen? Isaiah 54, 1 says... Let's go there real quick. Am I doing okay this morning? Are you encouraged? Somebody say he's the God of the second chance. Isaiah 54, sing, O barren, and you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says God enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand. You shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabit it. Do not fear for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced for you will not be put to shame for you will forget the shame of your youth and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. I'll never forget it's been a few years now, two or three years, maybe, maybe a little longer than that, maybe about five. But anyway, uh, I forgot. But anyway. (laughs) But anyway, we had been given a prophetic word. You know, and I was sitting right there, and this was a prophetic word. Enlarge your place. God's gonna expand you. God's gonna, you know, and, and two things with prophetic words. Number one, we have a preconceived idea how God's gonna bring it to pass. What does it mean to expand? What does it mean for God to expand you? What does that look like? Well, you know what? This is where trust in God comes from. Sometimes we have our idea of what God can do, and sometimes we try to help God with our ideas of what God wants to do. But God's definition of what he wants to do is so much larger than what we have in mind. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than that. But we got this word hey, expand, strengthen your stakes, and you know, and I, and I just, I have to be real honest with you. I just sat there and I said, Really, Lord? Okay. I'm having trouble. I'm just being honest with God. I'm having trouble because there's been some other words that have been spoken that I haven't seen come to pass. And so I'm really having trouble with it. And so I said to the Lord, like Paul said, not that I've apprehended or not that I'm there, but I said to the Lord, what's wrong with me that I'm having a hard time receiving this word that you have for our life? And, you know, and I I would just begin to pursue God and ask him, you know, to show me what I need to know. And finally, he said, read verse four. And so I did. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, number one neither be disgrace, another word for shame. For you'll not be put to shame, third time. For you'll forget the shame, fourth time. And you'll not remember the shame or the reproach, fifth time, of your widowhood. And God spoke to me, he said, you, you still carry the shame of some of the past mistakes that you've made. You've got to let that shame go. And that's where I coined no more shame in his name. Amen. Don't drag yourself through the mud. Drag yourself through the blood. Allow God's righteousness to cleanse you. Allow his word to cleanse you. You know, so you made some mistakes. So maybe there's some things you're ashamed of in the past. You know, forget those things. God wants you to forget those things as if they never happened. And if you're still carrying some shame, it's probably because you haven't forgot. Well, pastor, what do I need to do to forget? Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. Number two, don't bring it up. You don't need to bring up your past. Why bring it up? Unless you're not ashamed of your past. But you don't need to bring up your past. Well, yeah, I used to be, yeah, yeah. In my BC days, how many of you know what BC means? Before Christ, before I was saved, oh, yeah, there were some things that, you know, wait a minute. Have you not really repented of those things? Are you glorying in what you used to do that was sin before God? You know, and this is what the Lord dealt with my heart. You know, hey, there are things in my past that, no, I'm not going to bring up anymore. Why should I bring up the past when the enemy is doing a good job trying to keep me condemned? Why should I give people, mankind, more ammunition to tell me why I'm not good enough when there's a devil out there telling me I'm not good enough? Why don't I just forget it? Somebody say forget about it. it. Just forget about it. Just forget about it. Amen? Now, there are certain things you don't want to forget, like your wedding anniversary. (laughs) You know, or your wife's birthday. Amen? Let me help you. Always take note when your wife gets her hair done. That's very, very important. She comes in. Well, do you like it? Like what? Well, I had my hair done. You did? You know, us guys, we don't pay any attention, you know. You know, our, our buddies get a haircut, we don't pay any attention. They shave off their mustache, grow a beard. We don't pay. Oh, we know something's different about you, but we don't really care. But you know what? You need to pay attention. When your wife says she's gonna go get her hair done, when she comes home, Whoa, baby, I'm telling you, your hair is beautiful, wow, it was worth the $300 it cost me. So there's some things you don't want to forget, but there are some things we just need to forget. Why? Because they cause shame. And shame hinders us from being able to receive from God. Well, I want you to go with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. And for sake of time, I'm not going to go through through all the scriptures here, but I'd like for you to read a little bit about Gehazi. So we're going to talk about here how Samaria was sieged. And what took place here is that in, verse, in chapter 7, and we'll start with verse 3. Now there were four leopards men at the entrance of the gate, and they said one to another, why are we sitting here until we die? Actually, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 20, the prophet comes when he hears about the king tearing his clothes, and he said, listen, by tomorrow, the famine's going to be over. By tomorrow, the famine's going to be over. I mean, this this is severe famine. I mean, you know, there are just some, uh, you know, unthinkable things going on for people to try to survive. Some cannibalism's going on and other things are going on. And, I mean, they are desperate. And the prophet comes and says, by this time, tomorrow, the famine is going to be over. Well, what a wonderful word, amen? And the man who served the king said, well, you know, if God opened up the windows of heaven, how could this be? And Elijah said, well, it's going to happen, but you're not going to see it. Now listen, when God says he's going to do something incredible, I'm going to believe it, amen? How about you? Yeah. I'm going to receive it. How about you? And so, but the man was looking at the circumstances. He was looking at the fact that the Syrians had shut him in. There was no uh, in or out, all their, uh, all, all their supply lines were cut off. Does that sound familiar? All their supply lines were cut off. And here come the man of God. Hey, by tomorrow, hey, this thing's going to be over. The famine is going to be over. And so during this famine, there's four leopards sitting at the gate. And most scholars, especially your Jewish scholars, in fact, in your Jewish uh, sages, they'll tell you this was Gehazi. So what's the big deal about Gehazi? Well, Gehazi was the servant to the prophet who just prophesied that this famine's going to be over tomorrow. But when he was a servant, a Syrian, this is why it's so important to know your biblical history, a Syrian named Naaman came to Elijah because he was told by a Jewish girl that was serving him that was in captivity that there was a prophet in Israel that could heal him because he had leprosy. And so Naaman went to the prophet Elijah and said, hey, I was told that, you know, I could be healed uh, if I came to you. And the prophet said, go dip into Jordan seven times. And so Naaman, who was a, a commander of the Syrian army, he was a captain of the Syrian army, he was pretty indignant. What? Why didn't you come out and lay hands on me? Why didn't you come out and pronounce a blessing on me? Why didn't you go dip into Jordan? And, you know, and I've been in Israel several times. And the Jordan's not a very pretty river. Never has been. You know, kind of smells a little bit. It's muddy, you know. Why couldn't I go to the rivers of Damascus back home? And so he got mad. He left. I'm not doing that. But one of the servants said, well, why don't you try it, basically. So he went. He dipped. Dipped once. Dipped twice. Dipped a third time. Still had leprosy. How many times have you prayed once? You've prayed twice, you've prayed three times, and still nothing's changed, but you got a word. And so he went in, dipped four times, dipped a fifth time, dipped the dipped sixth time, still looking, leprosy all over, dipped a second time, and came up and had brand new skin. Wow. Then he went back to the prophet to give him a blessing. And the prophet said, No. But his servant Gehazi is like, dude, man, we're in famine. You ought to take something from them. I'm not going to live this way anymore. If if serving the man of God means going without, I don't don't want to do this anymore. And so Naaman leaves, and Gehazi, the servant, went after Naaman, you know, and said, "My, my master sent me to you. Lie number one. No, he didn't. Number two, he had some sons of the prophets come in, and he needs to, you know, get some money and some food for them. No, they didn't. And so Naaman said, out of compassion, said, hey, what can I do? He said, well, how about giving me some money and some clothes? So he did. He gave him some money and some clothes. And so Gehazi went back to serve the man of God, and the man of God said, where would you go? You know, I tell the kids in our academy, I always tell them, I said, listen, if you do something wrong, God knows. If God knows, I know. (laughs) They believe me. Don't tell them any different, all right? (laughs) But you know what? The man of God knew. and said, where'd you go, Gehazi? I didn't go anywhere. I mean, he had to hide what he thought would be his blessing. He thought this was his answer. If you you have to hide what you think is your answer, it's probably not your answer. So anyway, he hid it. And Elijah said, because you couldn't trust God, basically is what he said. You couldn't trust God. You couldn't trust, you know, the word that I have, what God's doing for us. He said, you know, the same leprosy that's on Naaman is going to come up on you and your sons. And so most scholars believe that this is why this is Gehazi and his sons at the gate of Samaria. And so they're sitting there. Let's look at this. Four leopards, men at the entrance of the gate, Nothing's going on in Samaria. Why are we sitting here until we die? You know what? Sounded like to me they needed a second chance. Mm-hmm. This is what people think when they don't feel like they have hope. We're just going to die. Why sit here? If we say we enter the city, the famine's in the city, and we'll die there. And if we sit here, we'll die. Now, therefore, let us surrender to the army of Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die die. Let's think about this. Who was it that Gehazi went to in the first place? Naaman, the captain of the Syrians. He may have thought, I would have, well, maybe Naaman will remember me again a second time. Maybe he'll help preserve us. And so they rose up and they went into the Syrians' camp. But God used Gehazi, he didn't use Gehazi because he was a man of faith. He didn't use Gehazi because he had prayed. He used Gehazi to show Gehazi he was the God of a second chance. I'm going to give you a second chance because hate Gehazi. So you missed it the first time, but I'm going to give you a second chance. So Gehazi and his sons, they go into the camp. And somehow God puts it in the hearts of these Syrians that there's a major army coming in to attack them, and they all run. And so Gehazi and his three sons get there, and nobody's here. All the horses are tied up. There's still food being cooked, fresh water. Wow, nobody here. I think I'll just help myself. And they did. Boy, they begin to eat, and they poke their heads in the tents. Wow, this guy left all his gold here. That's all his armor here. Look at these nice clothes they left here, you know? And uh, one of the guys came out and said, look, this guy bought his wife a Gucci Gucci, Gucci purse. Am I helping somebody? Probably not. But anyway. But all of this abundance, and they start hoarding it up. And one of them said, you know what? What we're doing is not right. We need to go and help our brethren. This is what God was trying to get Gehazi to understand in the first place. Don't make it about you. Make it about everybody else. So he went, hollered at the guy and guy, "Hey, the Syrians are gone, man! I mean, there's a big plunder here." And they're like, "Well, we're not sure if this is a trap or not." So they went and checked it out, and sure enough, man, the famine was over. Everything the man of God said happened. But see, God's plan for Gehazi was not just a few changes of clothing and silver. But God's plan for Gehazi was more than enough and abundance. See, Gehazi would have settled for a few changes of clothes and some silver, but God said no. But because he was the God of a second chance, not only did Gehazi get to experience that, but he was a catalyst for it to happen because he is the God of a second chance. And that's what Gehazi had to do. Well, if I sit here, I'm going to die. I'm just going to have to forget about what I did, that caused me to be where I'm at. That's what he said. If I sit here, I die. So I need to do something. We need to forget about the decisions we made that caused us to be where we're at. We need to rise up and we need to go where God tells us to go. Because when you go where God tells you to go, you'll have what God says you can have. Amen? Amen? Because he is the God of the second chance. God wants to give you a second chance. How many chances will he give you? Well, this is what he told the children of Israel. He said, look, all these blessings will come upon you. But if you forsake me, this is what's going to happen. But then when you come back, this is what's going to happen. You know what God's doing? He's like the father of the prodigal son. He's just looking. He's got all this wealth. He's got all these blessings. He's got all this provision that he just wants to cover you with. He's looking for you to come back because he's the God of a second chance. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.